Drop the subject. The new channel Q. All right, drop the subject is about to begin. I am Allie. It's Friday. The weekend is in the air. It's got that weekend smell. And it's a good smell because I'm sitting next to Dr. Jen Mann, who always smells nice. Well, thank you so much. Welcome back is to the show. Is it me or is it my tofu? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a lesbian pickup line if I've ever heard one. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dr. Jen is a licensed psycho uh, psychotherapist. She is uh, she has many many books out, including the Relationship Fix, which we have sitting on our bookshelf right now. And uh, she does her weekly columns in InStyle.com. I mean, your credits go on and on and on. And we're happy to have you back. We're also opening up the phone lines, and eight seven eight three three seven seven call Q is going to be the number you dial if you want free advice. All show long, there's no topic, no question off the table. Save the dumb questions for me, okay? Um, 833-77-CALL-Q. I already have a question for you, Dr. Jen, because you know I have I have them flooding my brain as soon as you walk through the door. And we make eye contact and they come flooding. Well, I'm sure yeah. people just naturally open up to you. Everywhere I go. Because the things I know like, even about the cashier. strangers you can't imagine. <laughs> really? The, like the ladies room line, like you name it. Really? And so, especially like since couples therapy on VH1 and family therapy, like people recognize me. So they're like, I'm so sorry to bother you. And people always really sweet to me. But a lot of like, hey, I'm so sorry to bother you. I just need to ask you one thing. <laughs> so then what? how do you set your own boundaries then? If you're in line at a show and you just want to, you know, turn your therapy mode off and just go about your life, do you say, thank you so much, I'm not ready to answer this right now, or do you just go you, through it you know, because they need I mean, it? I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for people who watch the show and read my book, so I feel like... I have a a duty to help people who have also like supported my work over the years and I've never been in a situation to date where like I've been in the middle of a fight with my boyfriend or my kid is melting down and someone's like hey you know what I I, I need your advice like people are always very respectful like I've been I'm very fortunate that way that my fans are just awesome like, yeah. they're, they're, and look I think if you're someone who follows a therapist and is really into the work, you're probably pretty insightful. You're probably pretty sensitive. So I've been very fortunate that, that way. That's a good point, because yeah. if you are following a therapist and following what they do, you have something in your brain that wants to be that wants to be well, right? Yeah. And wants to always strive to be better so that it, those wheels are already turning. Totally. Yeah. And, and even like I've been very lucky, like paparazzi wise, like they are so Same. respectful. Yeah. Like they're no, but like they're so nice to me. Like the when the, my show first came out, I was, I was coming out of my office, and one of the guys, and you know, they were always hanging out on my street for other people. And one of the guys said, "Hey, can I take your picture?" And I said, "Oh my god, I don't have any lipstick on. Like, you know, are you cool?" He's like, "I'm gonna let it go this time, but now you have a show. You should always have your lipstick on. What? I won't let it go again." I was like. Thank you so much. Oh, no. Yeah. That would piss me off. Yeah. I'd was, be like, don't you tell me, a man telling me to yeah. wear lipstick. What, are yeah. you going to tell me to smile more next? Yeah. And well, then I'm that person who like, charges at a photographer and gets in on TMZ. Yeah. Look, if anyone had said smile, I mean, that's my pet peeve. I like, hate from that. high school, like, I, like it, why is it my job to smile for you? Right. Like, you know, but this was someone who was kind of giving me a heads up, like... He was just doing you a yeah, solid. Like, no, like, I get it. Your life is can change now and people are going to oh, be taking yeah, pictures of you exactly. whether you like, like it or not yeah so be prepared i was like awesome thank you so much hmm. would you like a free book <laughs> <laughs> hey who doesn't like a free book exactly i have been in bachelorette mode all of a sudden because my wife has been out of town since wednesday night she's out of town until sunday and it's weird you know after being in a relationship for 10 years you're used to being with somebody pretty much all the time especially when you go home i'm expecting my wife to be there i love greeting her when i come home of course i love her very much and not but and yeah when she goes out of town there's a little bit of a like uh, you know you stretch oh, yeah. a little bit i oh, put wait. on my ugly sweats i was going to say when the cats away the granny panties would play <laughs> i mean I'm like you know oh, what yeah like uh, holes in them like because they're panels. comfy oh yeah the panels oh i've been having weird dinners yeah. i've just you know what are you eating uh i mean last night i had 
<laughs> cereal? So, no. Yeah. This is so embarrassing. I had a few chicken breakfast sausages. I had a plate of broccoli with sour cream and cheese on it. And then I had some leftover potato salad. You know what? Like, if all uh, of, like, vegan, my vegan bias aside, like, if I pretend all that was vegan, not so bad, okay. actually. I mean, you had a vegetable. You I, had the I protein, did the three food groups. Like, yeah, sure. Like, but it was nothing, like, I, in my normal couple's brain, I come home and I'm usually the one who cooks. So I'm going, okay, what are we going to have for dinner? I'm going to defrost something. I'll, yeah. you know, figure out a nice dish to make. And I enjoy cooking. And then for some reason, and when she's gone, I'm like, it's all bets are off. I'm <laughs> like, oh, or I go to comfort foods yeah. where I'll go to the grocery store and I'll get, you know, my favorite little old timey snack. Or I was like going through the grocery store aisle the other day and I was like, I want to get some SpaghettiOs. Like, that's like where I, I'm at. I totally get that. And like, so when, why, how, why do people go, like, who is the real me? Is the real me when Katie's gone or is the real me... When Katie's with me and I'm just kind of, not regressing, but just completely letting a different side of me out when she's gone. I think it's all the real you, but it sounds like in your relationship that her presence makes you take self-care to a better level. (laughs) So, like, like, you found a good partner for your long-term physical health. Otherwise, I'm beating SpaghettiOs and wearing granny panties with holes in them all day. Exactly. I would exactly. be a mess. I, I would like, I'd be coming over with multivitamins. Like, here, try this. <laughs> Please, God. <laughs> no, you're right. It's all about yeah. having a person who balances you out because also I am a person who tends to overwork. Yep. My wife is so good about, like, I work Balance. to play. Yeah. I, I do it so that I can have fun things that make up the rest of my day. And if, if she's gone over the weekend, I'm so worried that I'm just going to be spending the whole weekend working and yeah. then be exhausted going into the next week. And that's why I'm like, you got to get back here because I need my balance back. Exactly. Exactly. No, I totally get it. Eric and I are both a bit of like kind of workaholics. We both love what we do. We're super passionate about it. And we have a lot of things that we can do like working from home, you know, because part of my job is being a writer and he runs a number of businesses from the home oftentimes. So I totally get that. And also like, for example, you know, I'm terrible about sleep. Sleep is my Achilles heel, but it's also my weird superpower that I can go three hours of sleep, four hours of sleep for years at a time and be fine. Oh, my God. But he's always, he's like, that's an area where he's like my self-care monitor. He's like, he's always sending me articles about like, you live longer if If you you sleep sleep seven hours or more. And this study says this and that says, and I, and then he's so cute and like, come Uh, to bed with me right now. I'm like, oh, I can't turn that down. Look how handsome you are. (laughs) Yeah. So, like, left to my own devices, yeah, I'd be up till 2, 4 a.m., like, so I totally get what you're talking about. Yeah, your partner keeps you in check. Totally. And I think that that's a healthy thing about a relationship. Right. That you kind of have your eye on each other and you're encouraging each other to make healthier choices. It's when you're in a relationship where it's the opposite, where they're like, yeah, have another drink. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what? You don't need to work out. Like, oh, come on. Stay on the couch with me. Yeah, yeah. So I monitor her play. She monitors my work and it works itself out. Uh, If you have any advice or if you're sorry, if you would like some advice from Dr. Jen and from us today on Drop the Subject, give us a call 833-77-CALL-Q. Again, that's 833-77-CALL-Q. We'll take your calls next. Drop the Subject. The new channel Q. All right. Drop the Subject with Allie and Dr. Jen Mann is here and drjenman.com is where you can go for all things Dr. Jen. You can also follow her at Dr. Jen Mann. Two, two ends on Jen. On, and two ends on man. I'm oh, getting this. Oh, you got it. I'm oh, getting yeah. this. Okay. <laughs> you also do a weekly column in InStyle on InStyle.com. And one of your more recent articles is fascinating to me because it it mentions a specific quote that a lot of people use when they get engaged or when they get married. On Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, you will often hear people say, on October 24th, I'm marrying my best friend. And it is those two words, best friend, that I wish tend to could irk see your people. face when you say that. <laughs> so, There's a my look fake of smile. disgust. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I love it. It's, it's something that people throw around a lot. Yes. 
I agree. And this person who's writing into you says, my Instagram feed's filled with posts of friends and acquaintances that are always declaring they're marrying their best friend. I'm in love with my boyfriend and I rely on him. I confide in him. We have a great sex life, but I consider my sister to be my best friend. Is there something wrong with me? Is my relationship doomed? So... This is signed, got a, got, got a bestie already. And let's go over your response because I think it also might have differences between straight couples and gay couples. Uh, yes, and also no. Uh-huh, okay. <laughs> because, look, it's the question kind of comes down to can you expect one human being to fulfill everything for you? And regardless of gender, regardless of sexual orientation, one person like that's, that's a, a lot. lot to ask of one person and if like, it doesn't work out that's a lot that's gone if that person yes. is gone and and what to me like a red flag is always when people are like my you know boyfriend girlfriend husband wife is my best friend and i don't need anyone else like when people end up isolated because they view that person as their best friend to me that's a huge red flag i love the idea of that this person is the number one person you confide in. They're the person, they have a great sense of humor, they make you laugh, you feel super connected. They're your person, they're your go-to person. Something happens and that's the first person you go to. Mm. But at the same time, we also need to have other friends in our life. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's why that, that statement bothers me, that I'm marrying my best friend, because it insinuates that that is their world and that is the only thing in their world is this person and this is the bubble that we've created and nothing could be better in life than being around this person every second of the day and I feel like it does I mean Instagram I think in general makes you compare yourself to others for sure but my my wife and I've had discussions about it too when other people post about their weddings and stuff when we were getting married and it's like oh well you know what about my vows should I say that you're my best friend too and it makes all these things go through your head make you crazy right but I love my wife she I do in many ways think that she is my best friend and my person my best friend right because she's the person I love hanging with and I also have other best friends right and I like, have other friends, and then if we get into a fight, I don't want to be like, well, great, I have no one to talk to because I don't have any actual exactly. friends, and then I can't actually process problems that we have together. And also, you know, it's kind of like, and I think I even give this example in, in the article, it's like, I am a planner geek. Like, I love my Erin Condren planner. I love to, like... What's an Erin Condren planner? Oh, my God. Really? Let me tell you. Is yes. it? Okay. okay. Is it writing it's, or is it digital? No, it's paper. Yeah, I love I'm paper. I'm an old fashioned. What I realized a few years ago, I went back to my roots and I realized who I really am is a paper girl. Yeah. Pa- you know what? And I know it's not environmentally friendly, but there's something about holding a piece of paper in your hand and writing a note physically. 100%. Even yeah. when, you, you know, when you talk about journaling and things yeah. like that for therapy reasons, there's something about writing it out. That, pen to paper. It's yes. magical. And, and I'm a big believer when it comes to journaling and putting a pen to paper helps the unconscious become conscious. Mm-hmm. Yes. For sure. But so I'm really into this Erin Condren planner. I have custom stickers. <laughs> like I'm like a 12-year-old girl with my stickers. Are they Dr. Jen stickers? There are some. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. There are couples therapy stickers from like VH1 Couples Therapy. Uh There are custom stickers for various things that are important in my life. But if I'm going to talk about the Erin Condren planner and my planning, Eric will sit and listen to me because he is a loving partner. And, you know, we operate from the belief that if something's important to your partner, it needs to be important to you. But... There's also a, a a limit that I wouldn't push past. But if I'm going to talk about, I might call my friend Donovan Freeberg. I mm-hmm. might call my friend Jen Simpson. And I, we can talk about planner stickers for hours. <laughs> you got your planner sticker, exactly. girls. Exactly. Yeah. So it, it's important to not rely on your partner for everything. But yeah, should that, should that person be your best friend? Yes, technically, they should be your go-to person. Right. But you need to have other people in your life who you have friendships and relationships within who meet other needs for you. Yeah. And I mean, if you I I think it's also different for people if they were friends before they started dating. Yeah. There are a lot of people who are like, yeah, we were best friends for this many years and then we fell in love. That's okay. That then you are marrying your best friend. Okay, that I can get down with. Uh, (laughs) All right. We're taking your calls all show long. 833-77-CALL-Q here with Dr. Jen. And we'll take your calls right after this. (laughs) 
Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. All right, drop the subject with Allie and Dr. Jen and uh, Trump supporter Dave on Instagram sending us a direct message saying, why are you hating on my actual birth date, 1024? <laughs> I didn't realize I just threw a date out there. I didn't realize it was yours. I'm sorry. I tend to always upset you, Trump supporter <laughs> Dave. Uh, the trend continues. And we are taking your calls all show long, 833-77-CALL-Q. Any advice is, uh, we're going to give you free advice all show long. No topic is off the table. And we have uh, Caesar from Mission Viejo. What's up, Caesar? Hey, Caesar. Hi. Hey, I'm a big fan of uh, the show. Thank you for having me on. So I'm calling uh, because... Uh, and my fiance got recently engaged are essentially we're triggering each other and we're needing to find ways to repair our relationships. Um, my fiance after like a, a conflict is needing to pursue and I'm the one wanting to withdraw and we're kind of like triggering our, our own uh, attachments mm-hmm. and I'm trying to be mindful of what my needs are because I'm needing space because I go into this blocking my thinking, I'm wanting to shut down, and my fiance is wanting to, wants to repair the relationship immediately, but I often feel not ready uh, to, to repair the relationship because I'm, I'm still not in the best mood. Can you tell me what, what happened that needs to be repaired? Uh, yeah, so um, we recently got in a, an argument about, we're, we're about to move in, and Oh, no. I'm sorry? I'm sorry, you're breaking up a little bit. Yeah, you're you're going to argue you're you're going to be moving in. Yes, we're going to be moving in together. And I brought up to her that I wanted to purchase um, some furniture from Ikea. And immediately she went to telling me that, uh, no, we're not going to buy furniture from Ikea. It's really cheap. And I I felt very frustrated that I, I couldn't contribute to purchasing things for a, a mutual apartment for one another and uh, I asked for space and then she kept on giving me evidence that Ikea has cheap furniture that's and, how it started and, and just so I have a, a better understanding of kind of how you guys compromise and work through conflict because I'm sure this isn't the first conflict that you've had when you said I want Ikea and she said no nah, I don't like Ikea it's cheap and you just said, well, then, that you felt bad that you can't contribute. Well, why can't you contribute? Why can't you take whatever your budget was for Ikea and put it towards something else with her? Yeah, that's the part that I'm, I'm not really sure about. Cause I'm open to going to any furniture store, whether it's Ikea or anywhere else. That's the first place I thought of. And um, I often think that she doesn't think I'm capable of purchasing things. I often feel like she's... Like it's in the hierarchy that she's on the top of the hierarchy, and whatever she wants, it kind of goes. And I can't really contribute because she has evidence to show that no, it's a smarter decision to do something else. So, and, and where did you uh, get the idea that she feels you're not competent in these ways? She uh, told me that I had been living with my mom for all these years, and that uh, she has experience in living in an apartment, and she has more knowledge of what is needed for an apartment. Well, but there's a difference between knowledge. I mean, we all kind of are like, oh, I need a couch, I need a table. And, you know, it's it's not like this is, um, you know, calculus. Like, even if you are like, oh, I think we need two chairs, and it turns out you need three, like, who cares? Mm. It, to me, it, what what's kind of more of the red flag is that the way it's being communicated and whether it is a old trigger for you, and I have a feeling, just my gut instinct, is that it, it's more about that, and I want to explore that, but that when she says that, that you go to the place of she thinks I'm incompetent instead of like, I like Ikea, she doesn't, and, but it becomes more global. Yeah, totally. I think you hit me on the spot that it hits on my insecurities of uh, feeling stupid. And where does um, and that, that come from? Into, where uh, did you get the idea that you're stupid? Who who from your past told you that? Oh, uh, yeah, that's a really good question. My, my father. Yeah. He told me that I was, uh, I was stupid. I would never amount to anything. And I would never provide anything uh, since the age of five. And that's what's hurting you. 
And it, it, I want to talk to you about this more after the break, because what I want to do is help you understand, because here's what happens when we pick great partners. We tend to pick partners that have a lot of the positive and negative traits of our parents who are our original wound. So when we come back from this break, I want to talk to you about how you can identify it so you don't get so triggered and also how you can heal those old old wounds with your partner and have a healthier, happier relationship. So Caesar, don't go anywhere. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. All right, drop the subject with Allie Johnson and Dr. Jen. She's here all show long because it's Friday. We're taking your calls. 833-77-CALL-Q. Keep them coming. But we are on the phone right now with Caesar in Mission Viejo. And we've been chatting about, I mean... On the surface, this was about IKEA furniture, but it's about a lot more than that. Yeah. Um, so let's just kind of dig in and, and pick up from where we left off. Yeah, and, and for anyone who's tuning in, Caesar was calling because he and his fiance are moving in together, and he suggested getting some IKEA furniture, and he was ready to make the purchase. And she then said it was cheap, and she didn't want it, and he felt really criticized, and feels like she sort of considers herself to be the expert on anything in when it comes to like apartments and decorating and stuff like that and that it made him feel like she kind of thinks he's dumb or doesn't respect him and when I probed further about where did he originally get that message how far back does that go he shared with me very insightfully that it came from his dad that his dad said that he was stupid and would never amount to anything so Caesar did I get all that right? 100%. Okay. And here's the thing, you know, there's something called imago therapy. And in imago therapy, what they say is that if you make a list of your both parents' positive and negative traits, and then you look at your partner, you make a list of their positive and negative traits, there's going to be an enormous amount of overlap. We tend to kind of seek the familiar, but we also tend to, we, we our unconscious mind doesn't know the difference between past, present, and future. It's always trying to heal old wounds in current time. So if you have a parent like you who, uh, you had a dad who belittled you and who told you that you were stupid and you never amount to anything, you're more likely to pick a partner that on some level conveys that message, even if it's unintentional. Right, because you're trying to heal that wound or you're trying to get approval like, oh, I couldn't get it from my dad, but maybe I can get it from this partner subconsciously. Exactly. Wow, that's fascinating. So what happens is we want to resolve it in current time. The, the, The jackpot experience is when that partner is able to look at you and go, I don't think that about you. I think you're brilliant. I think you're amazing. I may not like Ikea, but I think you're the most incredible partner and you're a great decision maker. And that's why I'm marrying you. Right. And so really for you, there's a few things that that we want you to look at. One is to really do in therapy some work on your history with your dad. And we have a tendency because children are egocentric and that's not narcissism. It's egocentric when a child thinks whatever their parent does is about them. If dad says you're stupid, you must be stupid as opposed to going, my dad must have some real issues that he needs to work through that he'd speak like that to his child. He must be frustrated. He must be struggling for words. He must feel stupid himself and he's projecting that onto me. Kids don't have that ability. So they tend to internalize it. So we need for you to do some work in therapy on your history with your dad. Then secondly, what we want you to do is to let your fiance know about this conversation and for you to be able to say, this is a Achilles heel for me. This is a trigger for me. And I'm going to do my best to be aware of my trigger. So if you trigger me, I can say to you, hey, honey, this is reminding me of my dad and it's kind of triggering me. And either take a time out where you kind of take 10 minutes, calm yourself down, go for a walk around the block, and then get back to the conversation with the perspective of understanding this isn't my dad. And also, she can communicate in a more sensitive way to you so that she knows that this is such a a tough issue for you. She can be more aware. I, I, I always like couples to have a trigger list for each other. 
Oh. I have a trigger. Eric has a copy of my trigger list, which is a living document because every once in a while he can stumble upon a new one. Right. Like, or oh, another I'm, one's maybe not as triggering as it used to be. Exactly. Like, oh, I'm adding that to the list. But it, I, I would love for you and your fiance to start a trigger list that you share with one another. Because also the other thing a trigger list does that I have found personally and professionally is that it gives you a little distance from it. So I can say, like, we had a a dinner a couple weeks ago, and I said to Eric, I was like, you know, that's actually on my trigger list. I I just want to remind you. And then was it the steak he ordered? <laughs> no, he's vegan too. <laughs> okay, he's, because you know he's my best friend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, thank you so yeah. much, Caesar. I think that's great advice to create a trigger list because it also sort of takes the power out of it, right? Exactly. Yeah, and also then you're able to kind of go, "Are you meaning to trigger me, or did you just accidentally stumble on that?" Right, right, right. <laughs> did you just step on that button accidentally, or, or are, are you, you push, to get push, pushing? Going? Yeah, yeah. Well, it started with IKEA for and it went so much deeper than that. And if you have any advice you'd like from us, uh, we're here until 2 p.m. Pacific, 833-77-CALL-Q. That's 833-77-CALL-Q. Keep them coming. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject. We're having all kinds of conversations off the air. Allie here and Dr. Jen Mann is right next to me, hanging with me all show long on Friday. And we're taking your calls, 833-77-CALL-Q. You know, relationships are tough enough as it is without coronavirus. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And then when things like this happen, of course, coronavirus is on everybody's mind right now. I was at the hospital this morning for physical therapy and saw so many people in masks, so many people in designer masks. I mean, not not necessarily designer designer, but like nice cloth, you know, with a design on them. Well, I have a, a little collection of some of the cool ones, but here's the thing. They don't actually do the job, mm-hmm. especially for a virus. You need the N95. Exactly. At least that's, look, that's what, I'm no immune specialist. I'm no infectious disease specialist. I'm just a shrink. I deal with people's emotions. But You don't have this, a book on coronavirus I yet? Not. Come on, do Dr. Not. Jen, get writing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but when I started doing the research, everyone was saying get an N95 mask, especially if you're traveling on a plane, and they're, they're sold out. Yeah, I mean, they're like, sold they're, out everywhere. Yeah. I remember yeah. when the fires happened a couple of years ago here because they were right by our house. Uh, and when I lived up in the Bay Area, too, I mean, fires are very common in California now, unfortunately, and people were freaking out trying to get the masks. And yeah. then they would upsell the price because, yep. oh, we do have we do have the masks. And, 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 you know, going to the hospital and going to the like the medical facilities was the only way to get them. And um, you need different ones for different conditions, yep. whether it's fire or disease. But I bring up coronavirus because you're dealing with this in your house. Yes. And it does affect, have an effect on relationships because the way that people deal with things like this is very vastly different. My wife's kind of a hypochondriac. It can be sometimes. I'm very like, ah, it's fine. It'll blow over. And it does create rifts. So what's going on in your house and how have well, you been dealing with it? Well, Eric is a germaphobe to begin with. Okay. But he's also a very... He's all about being rooted in science and research and information. And I'm an obsessive, but Eric makes me look low-key. Oh, really? He is one of the most voracious researchers I've ever met. Wow. Which is something I love and admire about him. But when something like this hits... Things can get really intense in my house. Well, then, especially because something like coronavirus, you don't necessarily have that much research yet. He has gotten a hold of some research that he I literally walked into the house and he the greeting was I've gotten a hold of a research paper (laughs) that lists every single person that has been identified with the coronavirus, all of their statistics, how they got it whether they're alive or not, what their odds are, where they're from. What? How they, I, what I, their I, odds are? Oh, yeah. No, like, he he digs deep. And he's also, br- like, brilliant and technologically, uh-huh. like, there's nobody like him. Like, he, he's been, like, he was coding software when he was, like, seven. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. so, great. Thanks a lot, Eric, for making us yeah. all look like dum-dums. Yeah. <laughs> so, but is he one of those people that's walking around with a mask right now? 
Like, is he, he just walking if, around in a mask every if, day? If he left the house, I'm sure he would. <laughs> oh, okay. So he's not even leaving the he's house. Wor- well, he's, he's quarantined wor- himself. Yeah, look, he's working from home. Like, and he has a home office anyway, so like it's it's fine. And like in terms of his productivity, nothing stops this man's productivity. There's okay. nobody more productive. He no just one works around working. it. Okay, yes. I can't go outside because of Corona, so I'll work yes. inside. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. So yeah, no, it's like so it's like a quarantine zone in your house right now, pretty much. And I just well, you know, see, also the thing is that I know how to seduce my man. Mm. So and I'll I'll post it on social media, but I put a sign on the on our front door that says, "When you first walk in, please wash hands intensely or something like that." Uh-huh. And so I showed him my tush oh. and the sign and was like, "Hi, baby." Oh. He's like, "Oh, you know how <laughs> to get to me." <laughs> So you take something that, you know, other people might consider, hey, this guy's very obsessive, he's very germaphobe, and you're using that to seduce Bring us him. Closer that and is to amazing. Him. What yes. a great idea. Because you know, look, I gotta practice what I preach. Yeah. I, I gotta I gotta work with what I got going on. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> Fascinating. Well, yeah. I I'll have to put a picture of my tush up on the on the mirror when I get home. Yeah. I don't know if it'll work for me, but yeah. hey, you never know. Or it's just gonna I mean my wife's gone until Sunday, so it's just gonna be me looking at my ass yeah. for the past forty eight <laughs> hours. All right. Um we're always taking your calls here, eight three three seven seven call Q. Again, if you want free advice, Dr. J here. We're here for you. 833-77-CALL-Q. And we'll talk about how much therapy a therapist needs. And by the way, not just showing my tush. I've got a PhD to back that tush up. <laughs> Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. The period between doctor and gen man. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Um, well, we're taking your calls all show all show long. We were going to talk about when a therapist needs therapy, how they go about that process, and how much therapist uh, th- how much therapy does a therapist need, especially when it comes to creating boundaries with all your clients and everything, and processing all that information. I can't imagine. But first, we have to chat with Ashley from Louisiana. Ashley, what's going on? Hey, Ashley. Hi. Hi. So good okay, to hear so your voice. It's good to hear your voice. What's going on, Ashley? Okay, let me just get right into this. Okay, so um, I was in a relationship for about a year now, um, and uh, me and the person, we uh, we got an apartment, and we're still in the apartment now. Um, so he decided to end the relationship, basically. Um, you know, basically he told me, like, I gave you a year, you know, I guess, like, to get my stuff together, and, you know, he's, like, just done with it. And so, you know, when he first broke up with me, obviously it was hard to deal with, especially still living in the apartment and you know I was very hurt I was very like angry just a lot of things but like you know I kind of just distanced myself so I wouldn't I guess explode on him you know mm-hmm. and then so now I'm to the point where it's like you know I'm still like hurt about it but I'm also like over it I'm like okay you, you you're done if that's what you want I'm gonna give you what you want and now it's like he'll still do things like you know try to grab me try to hold me try to like you know I guess I'm gonna say this I think that he broke up with me maybe to make me um, maybe do or act the way he wanted me to. And it kind of, I guess maybe that didn't work. And so now it's like, I feel like he, I feel like, what are you doing? Like you told me this is done. You know, we're talking about buying out this lease together so we can both move on, move out and all these other things. And it's like, he's, he's being really kind of, I guess like, um, I don't know what the word, but like, Indecisive. you know, one <laughs> aggressive. Yeah. Cause one minute he's like, you know, we can do this, like growing up, we can be mature. And then the next minute he's like, he's saying really childish things are doing things, try to get a rise out of me. And I'm like, okay, look, you're driving me crazy. I'm already, I'm like we're doing. I'm dealing with it the best way I can, and you know this is what you wanted. So I'm giving you what you want. Now I'm pulling myself away from you. You know I'm minding my business. I don't tell him anything. You know I just, you know it's Ashley. I have so like, many I'm questions for you. Yeah, my so my first I. question is, how did he want you to act when you say I think maybe he wanted me to get act a certain way, and that's why he broke up with me to try to get me to change my behavior. What did he want you to do? Well, basically, he felt like I wanted too much of his time, I guess, and maybe affection and attention and stuff. And it's like, you know, he's like, you know, you have to understand I'm focused on this, this and this. And I'm like, okay, well, when you're doing stuff towards your future, that's different than if you're on the phone with your friends or if you go out with friends. But yet I have to beg for your time, your attention, your affection. And it kind of went, it was like a lot of back and forth of that. And then it was like, okay, I'm I'm not going to beg him for this because maybe it's annoying him and maybe it's not going to make him want to do it. So let me just pull back. And then and also, you never like, want to have... beg for for 
someone's time and attention. It's one thing to communicate clearly as two equal partners. Hey, honey, I really would like more, a little more of your focus. I feel a bit neglected. I really would love to have some face-to-face time. I'd love to do some date nights, or I feel like you're on the phone with your friends a lot, and and I feel like you're not putting a lot of attention to the relationship. But having to to be like, hey, get off the phone and pay attention to me. Come on, please talk to me. Like that tells you about who you're in a relationship with and how emotionally available they are, and that's like a huge red flag. And 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 actually, you you, you say. <laughs> I'm guessing that Look. screeches that she's hitting something that makes yeah. sense to you, Ashley. <laughs> I'm thinking yes. Yeah. Well, Ashley, my question is that you said when you first got together that he gave you a year to get your stuff together. What kind of stuff is that? What that seems like an well, ultimatum. That's what, he, that's what he told me basically. When because like he kind of he pulled back, like I said, like emotionally and just kind of like every like physically too for like two weeks, and then he was just like. Okay, I'm like, I'm just, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I gave you a year. And honestly, I really don't know because we both have bought, you know, I guess negative things to the relationship, both things that we both were supposed to be working on. And it's like, you did this too. It wasn't like it was just me. So why are you acting like I'm just, like, I just created all these problems? Because there are times where I was, you know, focused on my goals and doing what I had to do. And he was the one kind of getting me off track. And I'm just like, Okay, but if you know that that's what you want, and then yeah, when he told me that, yes, like oh, that was all very very hurtful, and I just kind of like didn't know how to react. But I was like, okay, you know, I was like trying to handle it as best as I can, and like I said, now you know it's it's been a little time now, but maybe almost two months now since it happened, and. Like I say, I'm a lot better now, you know, and I'm like living my life. I'm, you know, I'm just. Well, but just, uh, oh, Ashley, just, you, you said you're hurt, but you're over it. I don't believe you that you're over it because if you were over it, you wouldn't be letting him grab your butt. Like a woman okay, who's really well, okay. over well, it saying, keeps a distance. Over it, I mean, like how I was when it first happened. Like, you know, I just was like, I was kind of, I guess maybe a little depressed. Like just anywhere well, I went said, out, I went course, out, I couldn't stop thinking about it. It just well, hurt, it just hurt, hurt, hurt. Like I just, you know, and but now Ashley, I'm kind of like, you know, well, I can go out, I can enjoy myself. Yeah, without. but but you're, 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 this is very messy. Like you can yes, go out, but you're not in a position to meet someone. You're still living with your ex and he's grabbing your butt. So I, I think that, that if this is really over and I don't know that you really want it to be, but I don't think it's a healthy situation for you or, or even for him, but you need to, you, you got to get out of this place. You know, like the song says, if it's the last thing you ever do, like, right. we, we need to get you out of this apartment because it's keeping you stuck in time and and it's keeping your heart stuck and it gives you hope that something could happen. That's why you're letting him grab your butt, because you're hoping that that will turn into him going, you know what? I really want to pay attention to. I really want to be a good partner. I'm I was so wrong. And now I'm here for you. But I think it's I mean, time think, to I mean, move on. I do want that. But I don't think I don't I know I'm not going to get that. I don't, yeah, I know, but, the, I know but, that. but here's the thing. Like when I when two people break up and they come to my office and they say, like, how do I deal with this? I say you get out and you make a clean end and you take because sometimes people are like, oh, we're going to be friends. No, for a year, you're not going to be for a year. You're going to just completely detox from each other because somebody always wants to get back together. And there's chemistry and there's a memory of great sex. So what you cannot have a friendship with someone that you were once with until you're at the point where if they said to you, I'm dating someone really wonderful, I've fallen madly in love, where you'd say, I'm so happy for you, genuinely mean it, let me take you both out to dinner, I can't wait to meet her. To me, that's the litmus test of whether or not you can be friends. But Ashley, you got to get out of this apartment, you've got to be able to move on, you can't date people while you're still in the situation, and I think that your heart is really being pulled back and forth, and you need a clean break and some time to grieve. You yeah. know, the stages of grief and loss, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance, you got to go through them. Grabbing butts. That's not on there? I, you know what? We'll add numbers. We'll add a six. <laughs> there used to be five, now there's six. I mean, because it seems to me like there are a lot of ultimatums in this relationship from the very beginning. It was like, yeah. okay, we're going to date, but we're only going to give each other a year and we have to work on our stuff. And then it seemed like after a year, it didn't really seem like he was helping you even 
accomplish and work on yourself the way that you really wanted to, and now he's sending you all these mixed messages along with ultimatums. I mean, it does overall just seem like a really messy relationship that's not actually serving you. And it also sounds like the communication is very immature, I suspect, on both sides. Right, because there's all this guesswork and like, what do they mean? And what are they saying? And what does this really yeah. mean? And and also kind of the whole thing about that he's not giving her enough attention, but it also sounds like she's not communicating it in a way that is mature and effective that he can hear. Because when you're in that position, you communicate it. And then if the person says like, hey, you know what? I really hear you, but I can't do that. You, you, you move on. Right, right. Get over to Craigslist, Ashley. See what's out there. <laughs> drop the subject. The new Channel Q. All right. Drop the subject with Allie and Dr. Jen. Dr. Jen Mann is here with us all show long. Still got a little bit of time left. So if you want some free advice, give us a call. 833-77-CALL-Q. That is 833-77-CALL-Q. No subject is off the table. All mental health related stuff, right? Sex, relationships, even work, yep. addiction, weight, mm-hmm. oh, exercise goals, time. family, friends, mm-hmm. you name it. There's nothing that I have not talked to people about. Well, I, speaking of that, I mean, you fill your days with a lot of other people's problems and that must take a toll on your own mental health. And what I wanted to ask you about is how much therapy do do therapists need? Do they need three times as much as we do? I mean, I think about it a lot because, you know, my wife's in the mental health field too, and she sometimes comes home and she's like, oh my God, this one case like is really getting to me. And of course she doesn't, can't reveal the details of it, but it's very, can be very, very draining. So how do you handle it? Um, Well, look, first of all, I think all therapists should be in therapy. Always. And, you know, in graduate school, it's generally a requirement as you're going through grad school that you do a certain number of hours. And then also when you're doing your hours for licensure, you can get hours. Some of them can be as a client doing therapy. So right off the bat, the mental health arena really values that in therapists. And it's very important. And what we learn as we're training to be therapists is one of the most important things for you to do is to keep your side of the street clean so that you know when you're being triggered, when you are biased, when someone you're sitting with reminds you of your mother, your father, your ex-boyfriend or whatever, and you're not reacting in a way that is pure and in their best interest. So it, it is very important. And it's important that therapists talk about what triggers them in their own therapy. Therapy. You, you also asked me personally, you know, I started out my career working for the Los Angeles Commission on Assaults Against Women as a rape and domestic violence wow, counselor. Yeah. So I started out doing really, really intense trauma work where I'd pick up the phone and someone might be like, I've just been raped and I would have to go to the hospital with them and do a rape accompaniment or I've just been beaten. And so it kind of taught me very early on about being 100 percent present Mm -hmm. in the moment, but also then being able to kind of practice my own self-care and take good care of myself and and have those boundaries. But I do think that some people are wired for it and some people are not. Right. And those that are not have to work harder to make those boundaries. But you, I mean, I would imagine you probably also need to let loose a little bit and do things that are fun or funny and get your mind off of things and lighten for your sure. day, right? Absolutely. And also you have to know what good self-care is for you. Right. Like, you know, look, good self-care isn't getting, like, wasted and <laughs> passing out. You don't want to um, see all your right. well, you know, okay. out at the club. Agree to disagree. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I know my, when my wife went through her master's program, and that is part of it where you have to go, you have to undergo yeah. therapy and all that stuff. And she was like, I can tell some of the people that I'm working with in my class that have not been through that process and she is a person who has been in therapy for a very long time and she's like you can tell oh i have a story for you oh um when i was in grad school getting my master's there we had a a class a child um development class and our assignment was we learned about these theorists you have to write a 20 or 25 page paper about your childhood and apply three different theorists this guy in the class raises his hand and she says yes he says um, what if you've already worked through your childhood? Oh. Can you write about somebody else's childhood? <gasps> she says, well, if you've really worked through your childhood, then it should be fine writing about it. You need to write about your childhood. Hand goes up again. I've worked through my childhood. I don't want to write about my childhood. I need to write about someone else's childhood. Whoa. Literally, this guy kept arguing with her. I kept thinking, oh, my God, like 
this guy this can never right end <laughs> up in a room with a client. Like, I hope he does not make it through right. this program exactly. because this is an exact example. I mean, look, I've had decades and decades of therapy. Mm. And, you know, I talk about it very openly. And, and Eric and I have talked about our couples therapy. There was a whole Daily Mail article about us and, like, the couples therapy that we do and what it's like. And, you know, I just think it's so important. It's really important as a therapist to practice what you preach. I'm not perfect. Like, I have no high horse to stand on. No, but the, it's it's important that you say that because there's that stereotype, yeah. right, of like, oh, well, therapists, even really great therapists, they're the most messed up ones. Well, like, I think people we're all, say that. But we're all crazy. And hopefully, if you're a good therapist, you know what your crazy is, and you've done enough work on yourself to be able to contain your crazy, mm. and to be able to sometimes laugh at your crazy, and to be able to handle it. That's a really good way to put it, is to know your crazy and know how yeah. to handle it. And But do you ever feel that it creeps into your relationships, your your therapy brain, right? When you, say, are coming home for the holidays and one of your family members is, you know, there's always one, to be yeah. honest. And how do you resist that urge yeah. to pathologize? Well, well, I think that therapy school teaches you to think differently. And that's something you carry with you all the time. And at the same time, if I'm not getting paid to do therapy, I don't want to do therapy. Oh, okay. I don't want to give people unsolicited advice that they don't want. I like I want like, you know, if you taught tennis all day long, you don't want to go to the family dinner and like pull out a tennis racket like that's work. Mm-hmm, like right. I love it and I think a certain way, but I have no desire to give advice to people who don't want advice for free. Hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then when people say, hey, you're home for the holidays, why don't you give me some jokes? I'm like, no! And yeah. also, why are you going to me for that anyway? All right, Drop the Subject comes back after this. Drop the Subject, the new Channel Q. All right, Drop the Subject with Allie and Dr. Jen, and just like that, we're close to out of time. It just flies by. It really does, especially on a Friday. Um, I wanted to close out the show by going through something that you posted, and it's it's something that you posted closer to Valentine's Day or on Valentine's Day. But I think it's important to talk about. We keep saying, "Oh, we we ran out of time. We didn't get a chance to talk about this." And I think it's important to share some of the things that you put in this post on Instagram, and you can check it out at Doctor Jen Man on Instagram. You put up a picture of you and your boyfriend Eric, and you've been together for six years. And you say, "I've been together for many years now. We work hard to practice." what we preach, but here are a few of the things that we do to keep our relationship strong. Now, I thought we could go through some of these because I think that they're really important. Let's start with the first one. Spending 20 to 30 minutes a night talking with no screens. Yeah. 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 It's a a really important one. And it can be over a meal. Like, that counts. Okay. As long as the TV's not Mm -hmm. on and you're not on your phone. Okay. And it's just talking... when you, when you are talking every night from between 20 and 30 minutes, are you doing so with your kids, if you've got kids, or is it just the two of you? Well, my kids are ice skaters, so sometimes they're training late, so they won't be there. So, you know, whoever's there, if, if it's me and him and the kids, then it doesn't count as our 20 minutes of alone time. Okay, so, so you make sure yeah. you have 20 minutes of alone time every day. Yes, a face-to-face talk, no TVs, no screen time, no phones, just us. Okay, and that includes no boom-boom. No boom boom. Okay, because because that's distracting and that's different. A different kind of communication. <laughs> what if you're talking during? Okay. It is the language of love. Uh-huh. But how was your little, day during? Yeah, yeah. If things are going really well, you should be distracted during the boom boom. Okay, great. Yeah. All right, the next one is process things as they come up and do preventative couples therapy. And this is something that we talked a little bit about a couple weeks ago. When in, in when did you get into couples therapy and how often do you think couples should get into couples therapy? We started really early. Uh-huh. And and I talked to you last week about how there is a trend of people starting earlier because when you meet someone who it, you really connect with on a deep and profound level, it often triggers your old stuff and you trigger their old stuff. So we triggered each other pretty early on and had to learn what was going on and how to handle it. And it made our relationship so much stronger stronger so much sooner right so it, just we, to get it all out in the open yeah, now we really reap the rewards and we still do to this day now what about creating a couple bubble what's that about i'm very big on the couple bubble 
And I think that it's really important that we preserve and protect our relationships, that we need to make sure we protect it from incoming missiles, whether it is the mother-in-law who says like, hey, I'd like to come and stay at your house for a month, or the kid that's knocking at your bedroom door repeatedly interrupting your adult time together, Mm -hmm. or if it is a uh, friend who is against the relationship or a coworker who is trying to get one of you to open up about the relationship and cross boundaries or share personal information about your partner, that your partner should always be able to trust you. Whatever they tell you doesn't go any further that is private information. And also that you have good boundaries with others to protect and preserve the relationship. Yeah, that's always so tough, too, when you have mutual friends, right? Yeah. Because you're, you want to be able to talk about your relationship if it's going through some weird, you know, you want to vent or whatever. But then you also don't want to pierce the bubble. But we like we don't. So you don't talk about any of that stuff. If we're struggling, we talk to each other or our therapist. Huh. So it's okay to not, yeah. So like, because the other person is not going to necessarily be objective. They've, they, you know, they're your friend. They've got their own biases. They've, and if they're both of your friends, they've seen you guys together. So maybe like, oh, she's tougher on her or, you know, she's not so nice to her. Like you want an unbiased person or the person you're having the problem with. Wow. Uh, We keep a list of, this is what we talked about earlier. We keep a list of our triggers for the other person and avoid saying things that we know will set the other person off as much as possible. Uh, when we F up, we make amends and own our S. Now, that's a tough one and it requires a lot of maturity. Yes. And we are very good at that because <laughs> we do mess up. Both of us do. And we do really own our stuff and we make a heartfelt amends and we keep making amends until the other person feels healed by it. And that's can can sometimes be tough. Now, is it OK to not make amends until a little later when you've calmed down? Well, yeah, you don't want to make an ingenuine amends. Sometimes you need You need space. time to get all Sometimes pissed off. Sometimes you need to sleep on it. And then you can or, own it later. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, work hard to practice forgiveness. We call each other on our S and we do it in a loving, respectful way. And then finally, our bedroom is a protected, no judgment zone that has a lock on the door. Oh, yeah. <laughs> picture of tush not included for your eyes only. exactly thank you dr jen as always it's wonderful having you in a lovely being here love talking with you and talking with all of your listeners yes and your and your followers as well and listeners okay uh you can follow dr jen at dr jen man two ends on jen two ends on man pick up one of her many many books which you can find anywhere you can buy books and check out her instyle.com uh, weekly column and uh, we'll see you very soon again. And next up, we have two hours of nonstop music. Uh, uh, we have two hours of Alex D, DJ Alex D, giving you some jams, followed by Let's Go There. We uh, Next week, just quickly, Jarrett Hill is doing a very special election night here in Los Angeles. If you're in the area, it is a, a live sound space event to, uh, Tuesday night. So we'll give you more information about how you can attend and support and get you caught up on all things for Super. For Tuesday. We'll see you next week for another live show. Bye bye. Drop the subject. The new channel Q.